The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Have you had your daily laugh today? Hey everyone, from LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. Okay, before we get started, our team has had a ton of people asking where they can find more In the Arena content. So we created a website. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter by going to www.linkedin.com ITA. That's www.linkedin.com ITA. Okay, on to our show. Summer is a time when we all try to unplug from our otherwise busy lives just a little bit. And while vacations can feel rejuvenating, we also have to come home. So we want to arm ourselves with techniques that we can use every single day to feel better. So my team and I were guided by experts to actually experience the methods they use to wake up the feelings and senses we often ignore. And you can do these anytime. Why? Well, because becoming more aware of these is essential to building the muscle of self-awareness, enhancing well-being, reducing stress, heightening connection, and so much more. We're going to take you on a deep dive into four areas. Laughter, touch, sound, and smell. When we tried these, we felt better. I hope you do too. Enjoy. So a few years back, I had a close friend who told me she was going to try out a new class called Laughter Yoga. And pardon the pun, but I did laugh at her. She does things like this, so I found it humorous while also very on brand for her to be in this random laughter yoga class. I also said to myself, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, and I will probably never do it. So what do you know? A few weeks back, I find myself sitting on the floor in such a class, laughing so hard I was crying with our teacher, Francine Shore. Francine's been doing and leading these laughter yoga classes for years and says they got her and her regular attendees through the worst of the pandemic. So what was the class like? Well, first, it wasn't what I expected. There were no body twists or contortions like a yoga class. It was really about giving yourself over to laughter for no good reason. Despite what we might think, we don't need a reason or a punchline to laugh. So, of course, the class was a lot of fun. How could it not be? When I went to dig into the research, what it suggests is that they're finding that even when we force laughter we can still lower stress hormones like cortisol, which help improve how we feel. Okay, so here's Francine, hopefully giving you a window into laughter yoga, a smile, and something new to try. Laughter is a universal language. We all laugh the same way all throughout the world. And I just want to spread the universal message of laughter as a healing tool It's playful, it's fun, and it truly is a healing practice, a healing art. 
you know, you turn on the news and the images, the stories are heart-wrenching. You know, we're living in some very difficult, challenging times, not to mention a two and a half year pandemic. You know, with so much that's happened in the last few years, more and more people are posting more of their personal experiences and their feelings, their challenges. I mean, all the things that make up humanity. And so the first thing I saw right before I jumped onto this interview, I saw that this little boy who is 16 years old was sent to the wrong address in Kansas City, Missouri, to pick up his siblings. And he was shot in the head (laughs) because he went to the wrong address. It's a little black boy. I saw that posting and I'm getting the chills as you're saying that now. And I don't want to start crying, but but that's what I'm talking about. I want to cry myself because, you know, I'm someone who is certainly a positive person Mm -hmm. and I am definitely optimistic. And it's so, of course, ironic that you and I are talking about laughter and that four minutes before I'm reading an article about, you know, a child who was shot in the head by a white man who likely believed that child was dangerous and he was just picking up his siblings. And it's all because he thought that he was supposed to be going to 115th Street and he was supposed to be going to 115th Terrace. I bring it up because I think it's really important to meet the moment. It's really hard for me to uh, pretend. And so I do try to keep things like this at arm's length. But of course, I believe things show up for a reason. So if I'm meeting the moment, in my mind right now, I'm going... You know, I joined your class a few weeks ago, and I can totally remember the experience. We had been a little stressed when I ended that class laughing. In such a short period of time, I was able to shift my mood. And I know that that's really valuable. And at the same time, I'm sitting here going, do I deserve to be in a good mood after I just saw that? Like, do I, is it right for me to be talking about laughter right now? This is actually where I think the conversation might be finding us in this moment is like, We are all exposed to so many different things. Laughter is something I think we absolutely take for granted. It's universal, but it almost feels odd in certain moments. So like, how do we work with understanding that there's going to be these crazy messed up things in the world that exist, and yet we still deserve to improve our moods, to laugh? We deserve to improve our moods because how do we deal with the horrific sadness that is there globally? We have to find a way out. We integrate deep breathing, we integrate meditation, we integrate laughter exercises because that is our way out. These give us coping skills for all the traumas that we're experiencing on a daily basis, politically, health-wise, etc. People have to choose levity in their life as a survival tool because I don't know how else we exist. And I'm not saying that if you hear traumatic news, I'm not saying you go ahead and laugh at that moment. You know, you need to process it. Mm. But then, you know, the feelings come and go. We have to give our permission to feel these emotions. These are tools that we can use in our daily lives. You don't have to join a session to do laughter yoga. I do laughter yoga daily. It's my daily practice. I do it with myself. Sometimes I'll do it with my husband, but mostly I'm doing it daily by myself. (laughs) And I can use these tools. They're exercises, but they start to infiltrate your life and your whole perspective changes. This is how we can process the traumas in our life. When my mother died, 
at her funeral, I chose to do laughter yoga exercises. It was quite radical, but I did five minutes of deep breathing and laughter exercises. Mm. My mother always appreciated laughter, so it was something I tried. At your mother's funeral? At my mother's funeral. Yeah, I was quite radical. These exercises are yogic, they're playful, and they're value-based, but they're ultimately about letting go. You know, so much of our stress is thinking about the past, worrying about the future. What laughter yoga does is it brings you to the present moment, which I'd like to refer to as the now zone. And the body doesn't know the difference between simulated laughter or playful laughter, you know, or spontaneous laughter. It's still going to release all the feel-good chemicals, the dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the endorphins. And what it does is it lowers your stress hormones. You know, we're going to experience trauma. But it's how we deal with the trauma, how we process it, and what can we do. So what you do is you develop sensational coping skills through laughter yoga, very effective coping skills. And you develop more compassion. Through compassion, you can make change. We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back with laughter yoga instructor Francine Shore. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with Francine Shore, laughter yoga instructor and well-being enthusiast. We have so much access to information now in a way that is really powerful, but is also really harmful. 20 years ago, I couldn't have just pulled open my phone and opened that up. I could have chosen when I wanted to see information. And we don't really have a choice in the same way that we used to around when we want to see what we see. The first thing that came to mind as you were starting to describe laughter yoga is this idea that, you know, when I think about this little boy, you know, I think about this in the same way you talked about the now zone versus, you know, the fear or the the past or the future. I was really sad for him because I went, wow, this kid is an honor roll student. It doesn't matter what he is. He's a child. He's a human being who's been severely harmed by someone. And the first thing I thought is, what 
was happening for that 80-year-old man who chose to pull out a gun and shoot a child. And the only thing I can come to when I think of things like this is fear. And fear creates separation. I live in New York City. And like, I know you're also from the East Coast. It's like when I'm walking down the street and I feel afraid, I separate from those around me. Whether I'm actually in danger or not, I immediately go into a place where I am separate from the other people around me. And separation allows for fear to take hold and allows for us to take actions against people that aren't justified. And then, you know, I can think about laughter and I'm like, you know, I, I joined your class. I didn't know anybody in your class. And I sat down and, you know, my amazing producers were sitting around me kind of, we were all waiting to see what was going to happen because I've never done laughter yoga before. And by the end, I was truly like cracking up. I had cried. I was, you know, all these things. And I looked at all the people on the zoom screen And I was like, oh, I feel connected to them. Like, I feel joyful watching them all go around in a circle and talk about their life and their experience and how they're doing. And it feels in this moment, as we're talking about this, laughter feels like the antidote. I love that you're crying because laughter yoga has helped me access my own tears. And very often people will cry after a session or during a session. It's very intimate. It's very personal. And so we're both crying now. We're supposed to be talking about laughter, but here we are crying. And, you know, crying is the flip side of laughter, (laughs) but it's healthy because for me, I didn't access my tears for decades. These were tears that were repressed in my life. And through laughter yoga, I was able to access them. And you were able to access any sadness immediately after that session. And hatred is fear-based. And if we weren't living in fear, we could be living in love. That's our intention, you know, to live into the light, into the love. Children laugh hundreds of times a day. But as adults, we are living in the past. We're living in the future. So what's the difference? You know, adults only laugh a few times a day. And that is because children live in their hearts. And as adults, we're in our heads. Again, we're in the past, we're in the future. Mm -hmm. We're not in that present moment. And that's where the laughter yoga brings us. And when you talked about feeling connected with these strangers that you never met before, it is. Laughter yoga provides connection. It's like the social glue. It unites people. We all laugh the same way. Yeah, it's through relationship and through connection, which laughter is an avenue to that we actually can become more authentic. We can grow. And like I can sit here and have this conversation with you because now we're on the same page about a difficulty. And what is a laughter exercise you and I can do right now to bring ourselves to the the now zone? We'll do two inhalations uh, and two exhalations. And on the third exhalation, we'll laugh it out. So let's put our hands together. And let's take a nice deep breath in through our nose. Inhale. Hold it. And exhale. Again, deep breath in. And exhale. Ah. One more time. Deep breath in. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. And laugh it out. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> you see, humor, it's cultural, but in laughter yoga, we don't need humor. So when laughter yoga started, Dr. Kataria created laughter yoga in the mid-1990s. He was looking for a way to stave his patients off of their medications, and remembering the old adage that laughter is the best medicine, he started a laughter club. The club grew. He had a few hundred people that showed up in a, Mumbai, in a park in Mumbai, India, but the jokes ran stale. Some people were offended by the jokes. Some people misunderstood the jokes. So he thought, ah, how can I, you know, mm. remembering the old adage, laughter yoga was born. It's not subjective to humor. But this way, we didn't need to hear something. You just laughed through an exercise. You didn't need to hear anything funny. Yeah, I hadn't thought about this idea that laughter is universal. Humor is not. Mm-hmm. It's subjective. What we find funny here, they may not find funny there in Mumbai, India, and vice versa. So that's leaving laughter to chance. So we don't, we in laughter yoga don't have to rely on anything humorous. We just have intentional laughter. And that's exactly what we did. We created a laughter exercise, a breathing exercise, and gave ourselves permission to laugh it out. Laugh out all that stress. Laugh out all that sadness. I think a lot of us, I do, associate laughter to humor. In order for laughter to be appropriate, something has to be humorous. What has been really interesting to me in thinking back on being a part of your laughter yoga, but also thinking about the times in which I laugh, sometimes I laugh when I feel awkward or when I'm a little nervous. You know, I have all these different moments of laughter. But I, you know, when I made that face about you doing this five minutes of laughter yoga during your mom's funeral, and I said, oh, I'm going to do something radical right now. Let's do a laughter exercise. What I was associating with is the connection of laughter to humor. So it feels inappropriate. But if what we're talking about is laughter changing the way we relate to laughter and understanding what it does in the body and even understanding some of its history, then that totally changes how I think about its importance. Because if laughter is about a relationship to the body and then to the vagus nerve, right? So it's sending sending signals saying you can relax now to your body, then it has so much more power than just being associated with something being funny or cultural humor. Yeah, it's a wellness workout that engages the mind, the body, and the spirit. It is a cardiovascular workout, and we are laughing for the health of it. There doesn't have to be any other reason to laugh. You are laughing to stay healthy. Do you know of any like studies that have been done? Uh, there are lots of different clinical studies, and there is a science behind you know laughter yoga. The body doesn't know the difference between simulated laughter or spontaneous laughter, and it's still going to release all the feel-good chemicals, and it's going to lower the, the hormones. And so it affects your entire mood, and you can change your mood. You know, very often people say, if you're not feeling well, oh, go for a walk, go to the gym. And what happens? You do change that chemistry, that brain chemistry. Or you can be angry at someone, or you can be feeling sad, but if you start laughing, it's just immediate. The effects are immediate. You feel it immediate, and it has, and the effects have real longevity. This is a huge laughter revolution, this laughter yoga, and there are thousands of laughter clubs all around the world. So 
When we came up with this idea, it reminded me of uh, a close friend of mine who, you know, four or five years ago said that she was going to a laughter yoga class. And I was like, you are crazy. (laughs) But I'm also used to her doing all sorts of different things. And so I was like, oh, she's just exploring this thing. That's funny. That's silly. So it's it's full circle, of course, to find myself here having done it and saying, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people who have yet to like cross that threshold and actually try this thing that feels weird or different, but has really meaningful impacts? You know, give yourself permission to just let go and embrace that present moment because laughter yoga is not for everyone because most people do derive, as we discussed, derive their humor from, a, you know, their laughter through a humorous situation. It could be a little awkward for people, but I think it's about letting go. It reminds me of the idea of creativity and like for adults who aren't in creative professions, that creativity is something you kind of set aside as you move into adulthood. And so I love that you said children live from their hearts, adults live mostly in their heads. And I think that is sadly, but so darn true that most of us spend all of our time up here And that's what gets in the way of us doing things that are experimentative, that are different, and that could actually change our lives over time. Yes. Not only does it enhance your creativity because you become more playful and open and you're letting go, you develop better active listening skills. You're not in your head as much. When the stress comes up, I have tools to get me out of my head. I have tools to shift that. And it started out as feeling personal to me because the light had gone out in my own self. I was feeling very depressed. I was always a laughing person in in my past. I worked with comedians and actors. But there was a real depression in a time in my life where that light and that laughter just, you know, crashed. Then I saw this flyer that this doctor from Mm -hmm. Mumbai, India was coming to town and he was doing a training on something that was not humor related, but it involved laughter. And I thought that was a very intriguing concept. And so you don't have to have a sense of humor to laugh, but you can develop a sense of humor through laughter yoga. And that's because you do become more open and playful. How long did it take for you to feel like the light came back into your life once you had started? Immediately. It's like, whoa, some people, you know, it takes a while till it it hit me right away. And I was like, this works. This, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to eventually share this with a lot of people and lead sessions. And I'm a neurodivergent person. I have four learning disabilities. You know, life has always been stressful for me Mm. in the sense that I've had to navigate my life in a different way. And this truly improve those skills. I never could have imagined myself facilitating workshops, uh, sometimes upwards of 400 people. And this really helped to build my self-esteem. This was tremendous. And it happened immediately for me. I was like, whoa, this fits. This makes sense. I love laughing and I love humor, but I love the fact, I love the fact that you do not need humor to laugh. Anybody can laugh. It's accessible to anybody. It was very powerful for me. And does it just sort of catch on? I'm wondering if it just sort of catches on. So for example, the exercise we did, you know, I was coming from 
we had both just been crying and then we were starting to try to laugh. And so, you know, it felt forced for me at first mm-hmm. as I, I knew it would. Right. It's like I'm not just going to start cracking up out of nowhere. Right. Does it just catch on eventually or what's the what's the trick? Is there some point where you know that you're now in a good mood? It can feel forced for a lot of people. And that's really OK because eventually it becomes more natural for most people. Within a few minutes, you can just go from, you know, fake laughter to real laughter. And these exercises are based on yogic principles, and they involve any kind of laughter scenario. It's like improvisational. And so we can create any laughter exercise around a situation, and it becomes real eventually. What do you understand about the body based on the work you've done with laughter yoga? Because it's like laughter, it seems like it's kind of like stored or stored in or lives in the body since there's no intellect going into this. Once you start laughing and you're breathing, you do the meditation, you're letting go. So again, there's that physiological reaction that happens in your body. It's emotional. It's physiological. And through that letting go, you're releasing the dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the endorphin, and all those feel-good chemicals that transcend the stress hormones, the cortisol levels. And you're also bringing more oxygen to the brain, and that's important. And when you laugh and you go, ha, 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 you're expelling all the stale air that needs to leave your lungs. So you're opening up your diaphragm. And a lot of people who have asthma, you know, they start coughing during a session or after a session, but they all report how they feel their lungs feel more open. My lungs are really strong from doing, you know, the pranayama breathing exercises and from doing the laughter. So again, we're delivering oxygen to the brain. And some people believe that a lot of diseases, you know, happen because there's not enough oxygen in the brain. I'm wondering if the connection between, you know, when you're stressed or anxious, your breathing is not deep. It's shallow, it's tight. Shallow breathing, yes. And it's from basically like the top of your chest up, right? It's mm-hmm. not in your diaphragm. That's right. Um, I did an interview two years ago with someone named James Nestor who studied yeah. breath for the last 18 years and wrote a book about it that was a bestseller. It was fantastic. And one of the things that he talks about is that we can increase our longevity by increasing our lung capacity. It is one of the top ways to increase longevity. This is all very diaphragmatic. The laughter is diaphragmatic. The deep breathing is diaphragmatic. Absolutely. And the meditation grounds us. The way I describe it is it's a cardiovascular exercise, so it can be exhausting when there's a lot of movement and a lot of diaphragmatic work, but it's ultimately exhilarating. And that's why we need to do a grounding meditation. I don't believe in people saying, oh, well, stay positive. I don't invite people to stay positive. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, say, oh, just stay positive. What I say is try laughter yoga, experience laughter yoga, and you may start to feel more joyful and positive. Your mood will shift. There's a lot going on around the globe, you know, and not to mention, again, a two and a half year pandemic that we just, you know, got out of. That was pretty traumatizing for most people. And Zoom was the silver lining to be able to, you know, unite people all around the world through laughter on Zoom to reach a wider audience. You know, that was very powerful, is powerful. Francine, I'm going to have you complete these three statements for me. Better humans are... 
kind and compassionate. Better work is. Something which is meaningful, which has purpose in your life, and where there's a sense of playfulness and connection. And a better world has. Where you can activate world peace through laughter, simply. Amazing. Well, with that, Francine, I really appreciate you just coming on this, like, roller coaster ride with me and letting me be honest and then playing with the role laughter can play in life, even when stuff is a little difficult. I'm walking away feeling grateful that we got to have this conversation, that we did it in a way that was authentic, and also knowing that I'm leaving with a tool that is a sensational coping skill, which I can continue to work with, experience, and share with other people. So I appreciate your work. I appreciate your story and and learning about its origins. And I hope you do keep spreading and activating laughter around the world. Thank you so much, Leah, for this conversation. I really, truly appreciate it. And I love the fact that we went through, you know, this traumatic situation and we were actually crying together. And then we were able to do this laughter yoga exercise. And here's your takeaway, what you just said. I love that. So thank you so much. Thank you. That was Francine Shore, laughter yoga extraordinaire. I hope you go out and find a class. Give it a try if you're feeling a little stressed and even invite a friend. Or if you're not yet feeling ready to tell people you're going to laughter yoga, do it a few times by yourself and then let them all in on the secret. At the very least, I can promise you will spend an hour either laughing at or with your fellow yogis. If this conversation has you thinking about how to add a little more laughter to your days, share it with someone who wants to lighten up too and help other people like you find our show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write a one-sentence review telling me why you love this episode on humor. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, you can find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential and meaningful living. Find my newsletter on how to live better today and every day at www.linkedin.com ITA. That's www.linkedin.com ITA. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Alexis Ramdow and Rafa Fariha. Asaf Kadron makes sure we sound good in the studio, mixed and sound designed our entire summer series. Hats off to you. Enrique Montalvo is the executive producer of LinkedIn Editorial Productions. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of LinkedIn Original Audio and Video. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming with me, and I'll see you next week. Feeling good, feeling good. Yay!